Good day, everyone. My name is Stephen Stewart. I'm in the chair and CEO of QC Copper and Gold, and uh, we're here t talking about our uh, what we've been doing in 2022, and most importantly, what's on the horizon in 2023, which includes a major milestone. Catalyst is our updated mineral resource estimate, which is uh, going to be upgraded from uh, 2021's resource, which was 104 million tons at nearly 0.9% copper equivalent. That's a pit constrained resource. Since then, we've completed uh, nearly 60,000 meters of drilling, and our technical team is busy compiling all of that resource and uh, uh, preparing to put it out in this uh, in this updated resource, which we expect to come in June. So that's the major catalyst. Uh, between now and then, we've got about 10,000 meters of, of drilling uh, to be released. So there's some news flow on the horizon before that major catalyst. Uh, but aside from that, there's there's lots going on behind the scenes, and I'm happy to drill down into context with you, Merlin. So good morning. Good morning, Stephen. Really nice to talk to you again. It's been almost a year since uh, I last spoke to uh, QC Copper. Now, obviously, your flagship, um, Opamiska, is um, it was an old mine. Um, can you just remind me uh, of where you are in terms of the, the the previous operation and how long it's been idle for, and how you're re refocusing your attention on this asset, please. Sure. So the Opamiska was, in fact, four high-grade underground uh, vein system mines. It was operated by Falconbridge. It started in the 50s and it shut down in 1991. Um, the Opamiska is the project. And then within that, there are four mines, the Springer and the Perry, which is what we're going to be talking about today and what we've been almost exclusively focused on in terms of de delineating resources. And then there's the third and the fourth mine called the Cook and the Robitaille, which uh, we have uh, a lot of data on, historical data. We have some drilling, but we have not yet systematically drilled it out uh, to bring it to the 43101 like we have the Springer and the Perry. Um, in terms of provenance, uh, when it shut down in 1991, Falconbridge uh, decommissioned the mine, took away the mill. Um, and then it was staked by a local Quebec family called the Gauchers, a very well-known, Edwin Gauchers, is a very well-known uh, uh, Quebec-based mining entrepreneur. Uh, our vice president of exploration, Charles Beaudry, had a relationship with the Gauchers, had been assisting them prior to the incarnation of QC Copper, had been working with the Gauchers to digitize a lot of the, the data and, and advise on them because Edwin is a geophysicist and, of course, Charles is a geologist. Charles had been... Uh, sort of in my ear for years uh, to try and acquire this project. We made many iterations and it wasn't until, or should I should say attempts at acquisition, it wasn't until we spun off uh, QC Copper and Gold from another one of our, our companies called Ore Finders um, and created a vehicle dedicated specifically to uh, develop uh, and, and raise the capital uh, for, uh, for the Opamiska. And the idea was really to reinterpret what this was, and as I said, I described what it was, it was underground mines and reinterpret it into a bulk tonnage open pit deposit, which we, which we, I think we've gone a long way in, in doing in, in that maiden resource. We still have a long way, uh, ways to go. Um, and, and then, but really what I want to emphasize is this is early days in terms of defining what the Opamiska and really the Shibugamu district is all about. Um, we the, again all, the only resources we are going to be publishing is on two of the four mines. 
We've got the third and the fourth mind, and then there's lots, lots of other exploration targets, you know, that we can talk about later. The, the when you say defining the resource around the, the the first two old mines, so both of those have got shafts. Both of those were based on on vein deposits, and effectively, what you're what you're what you're doing is uh, delineating a lower grade bulk tonnage resource around those two systems. Why did you choose those two, and why did you not want to start on the first four? I mean, if they were uh, uh, four mines. Why? Why did he only choose two? Well, a few, a few, a few reasons. One is those are the the, the biggest by um, a significant amount in terms of historical production. So we had the most data, and so that just sort of was was sensible uh, to us. Um, we we did some test drilling initially on the Springer project and got great results back in 2029. And so that's really where you know the bulk of of the resource in terms of modern was was delineated, and that's where we had the most resource um, in terms of data. And so, so that's where we decided to focus. And both the Springer and the Perriel note are right beside each other. So there was the opportunity right. to create, uh, a, you know, a so-called super pit. Um, the third and the fourth mine, again, the Cook and the Robitaille are about two and a half to three kilometers away, but will not be part of, you know, a cohesive pit. They'll be so-called satellite deposits, if as and when we, we, we get to that stage. And we anticipate that we will, but we're not there yet. And the, 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 there's a town nearby. I mean, you, you, the, the pit will come, come quite close to the edge of the town, won't it? Where, where are you in the permitting Absolutely. and, and the uh, kind of the brownfields nature of the, of, of the project? Well, we're not permitting, you know, for construction or anything like that. We're, we're, we're nowhere near, just to be clear. Um, so we're certainly beginning um, the inputs to permitting, like environmental baseline, obviously community con consultations with the town, the region, the province, even the feds, and of course the First Nations. Um, we're fully permitted to do what we're doing, but we've been drilling. So, you know, we are not permitted to build a mine. Um, that is years away. Uh, though requires certainly, uh, as I said, long lead items. Uh, to, to answer your question, we are at the doorstep of the town of Chape. We are in the Shibugu town, the district of Shibugamu, and Shibugamu also has a town, which is about 30 kilometers to the east. We are, we are proximate to Chape. And so there's a lot of questions around, are we going to move the town? And the, and the answer is, it's possible, but we don't know anything for sure at this point in time. Ultimately, what, what, what we can say confidently now is that the bulk of the resources are you know, further to the west and don't directly impact the town. Is there mineralization under the town? There's no question about it. The question is, you know, it's a trade-off. It's an economic study. Does, does, but it's, not, it's lower grade material and there's not a lot of it. So does... Uh, pushing back to get that material justify the extra cost, burden, expense, timeframes to do it. I mean, you know, we don't know that answer yet. Uh, we published uh, our maiden resource, which is 104 million tons back last year. That was an unconstrained model. The only constraint was was an open pit, but it didn't consider, you know, where a town was, where anything was. It was just we. the approach was let's use every piece of data we have and evaluate, you know, Let's define what this is. I think this updated resource is going to take that to the next level, um, you know, where we've been focused on and we can talk about where the, that drilling has been. But really, it's about optimizing um, and infill drilling on that pit as well as some step outs. But I, I still don't think that we'll have. Well, in fact, I know we won't have any definitive answers around, um, you know, how how much we will impact the town. We're going to impact the town. Until we have it's almost a generation away, isn't it? Or possibly more, you know, 1991, the kind of the, the, the last people who are working there, um, you know, they've had a, a 30 year career 
outside of the mining sector you know how how uh, tolerant or how accustomed is the town population to mining i mean is it something they just remember and they've kind of grown oh, away no, from mean, this, this town the town okay i mean it's interesting you say it. it it is a generation ago but um um there's a lot of people who work for us right now who were underground right so you know it's it, there it's not too far gone and and does the town remember the mine well i mean you know the, the town exists because of the mine there's no quite i mean there, there was no town before the opamiska exists so it is a mining town it is mining culture people are very welcoming there they understand exactly you know why the town existed historically and and if the town is expected to thrive and flourish in the future they need they need business i mean it's it's the extractive industries and forestry i mean that's that's you know those are the primary industries up there um people including the town and you can please i encourage everybody to go on our, our our website and see you know we we interview the mayor we interview the townspeople um and you can see for yourself what they say i mean everybody is cautious nobody you know everybody has questions naturally about you know open pit mining and, and that's rational and we take that very seriously and we take nothing for granted and we've invested quite heavily in terms of communication because that's the biggest risk it's the social license. Uh, the feds will be behind us because we are copper, right? And copper is the is the certainly one of the most, if not the most strategic, quote unquote, green uh, metal. The province is behind us, no question about that. But it all comes down to local, local buy-in. And that's the town and that's the First Nations. Interesting. Uh, do, do the First Nations have a particular angle on this? I mean, it, it, surely it's just a another um, mineral project, and presumably since it was a, a mine beforehand, uh, they have got their heads around, First Nations have got their heads around th th that particular site being a mining site. Well, I mean, you know, their angle is partnership. Like, you know, I, I think the First Nations in particular, it's the Waswanapi and the Ojibugamu, who are the local First Nations in the area. They are Cree. Cree are very sophisticated First Nations uh, organizations, they're nations. And um, they understand the benefits that um, economic development, in particular mining, can bring to, the, to their communities. I mean, uh, I think they're, and then when I say sophisticated, you know, they, they, they have flourished ever since, uh, you know, the hydroelectric developments that happened back in the 70s, which provided all sorts of economic opportunities, which they've th thrived upon. And they've, and they've captured that and they've grown it by partnering with all sorts of mining companies. I think it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, every situation is a snowflake, but I think broad terms, Canada is the best place in the world to do business in mining and that ebbs and flows. And then with, but Canada is a big spot. And so Quebec specifically, because of the, the, the mining culture of the people of the North, because of the uh, sophistication uh, of the Cree in terms of the, their acceptance and understanding of the value that, that mining can bring to their communities. And because of, you know, just the, the province, you, you look at the Plan Nord, which, is is should be every province should have something like the plan or unfortunately it's only quebec uh, to my knowledge but they are so supportive uh in terms of building infrastructure permitting um you know drill permitting is 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 quite streamlined you, you that's, that's something you mentioned obviously mine permitting is a is a whole nother ball of wax um, um but uh you know we'll get there and we'll have the support but i mean at the end of the day i think Again, I'll emphasize the, the 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 bigger levels of governments are supportive of industry growth, uh, particularly if you're a copper mine. Uh, but if you don't get the local buy-in, you're going nowhere fast. And so that's again that's where we've invested our, our most of our time and energy. Are, they, are you getting pushback? Are there are there a new generation of anti-miners, um, um, or or is it just the kind of the inherent natural caution 
or that anybody would have when there's potential new development just over the road? Well, I think it's just natural questions. Um, we host, um, at minimum, we go up there twice a year and we host town halls. And uh, we do it at the local community center and we get a very good turnout, you know, um, you know, 50, 60 people. Um, and, and then all the local politicians come, et cetera. And we also um, we have a host of their private meetings, but they all come out there and they have questions, uh, which is natural. And it's, it's about communication. That, that is the, the biggest focus. And also within that is managing expectations. Absolutely. Because, yeah. because they, they, you know, some of these people are not, you know, they don't do this for a living like you know, you and me, Merlin, and they, they sort of say, oh, we've got a resource here. When are you building the mine tomorrow? Is that so it's like, you know, this, you know, there, there's a big process. These are the risks. These are the challenges. If we did build the mine, there's a lot of things to consider. I mean, even if we don't move a house, okay, and it's certain like, again, it's possible we do. But even if we didn't, there's noise, there's dust, there's, there's even to the local employers, you know, the, the bakery shop now has their, their labor costs are going to go up because, you know, we're a big employer. So there's, there's a huge amount of considerations just that you don't even think about that uh, that need to be discussed. And so, again, um, we have taken that very seriously. When when we published the Maiden Resource in 2021, we hired a gentleman by the name of Derek Teven. Derek's our, our vice president of strategic engagement. And, and Derek is, I think, bar none, the most sophisticated, call it, you know, soft um, guy in the, the soft's not the right word, but sort of not technical, but in understanding the needs of the First Nations, the community, the permitting process, uh, and designing a program to engage them directly and, and keep everybody well informed, um, you know, on the benefits and risks, because, you know, it is a trade-off. And so, uh, you know, that's and something that we've also started, we've started, we haven't formally brought it together, but we've reached out to all the parties is we want to create, um, you know, a, a, a stakeholder group that meets regularly. And so, we want to get ahead of these concerns. We don't want to find out about any concerns after the fact, because there are concerns. There always will be. We will never be able to please everybody. But I think by and large, um, you know, the, the town is on side. As I said, you know, it's a mining culture. Um, and, and I think that they want economic development more than anything. I think the town is is sort of, um, I don't want to say dwindling is not the right word, but needs, you know, needs an economic push uh, needs a reason for the young people to stay, and this gives them that opportunity. Absolutely. Uh, the, the, the nail on the head. You need a reason for the young people to stay or to go away and come back. There has to be some kind of regeneration or, or, or ac economic activity. Um, final question on the town side of things. You know, what's the population? It's about 1,500 people. Okay. Thank you. Um, now, when we spoke last year, um, quite a lot of the emphasis of your drilling plan was to reclassify internal waste within a conceptual envelope of mineralization from zero information kind of where you could not ascribe grade to it to drilling it out and even if it's low grade kind of the the point twos point threes point fours it would actually be above the cutoff grade process can you um how is that process gone how how how's that work come through well, you're right. And, and I would say, first off, it exceeded our expectations. Um, uh, and, and just a comment there, in often case, it wasn't about zero information. It just wasn't enough information to bring it into the 43101 category. So it's about increasing the confidence, increasing the drill spacing, giving us more information um, on what we had defined as the halo mineralization, right? And which we're now redefining as to a mineralized envelope so that everything, you know, the, the, the vein and the hanging and the footwell mineralization is now just a mineralized envelope. So it's about, we've been, you know, drilling, you know, increased 
density in those particular areas where we're going to get, you know, uh, where we had information, but we want more and we believe we can bring that into the inferred, maybe in, into the indicated category. Um, so I think that has gone very well. And I think that's going to be very material. One is because just anything above point two is going to uh, be considered or and not waste. So we take it from, you know, the expense pile and put it into the revenue pile that and, and, and I think we discussed in the interview last time how that one ton of expense going into the revenue pile is really quite helpful on the strip ratio economics. And so that has been a core focus of us. And I would say where the vast majority of uh, the drilling to date or since the last uh, resource has gone. And again, I would say it's met or increased our expectations. Not to say that we're looking to, you know, it's not going to be a 0.2 uh, um, you know, percent the deposit, not at all. We're going to maintain the grade. The grade is our competitive advantage relative to a porphyry deposit with 0.3 to 0.5. We are going to exceed that grade. We are going to maintain our competitive advantage there. So, you know, that's been an area of focus. And another, there's been two other areas of focus that I think are going to be relevant to this MRE. Um, one is the Eastern Veins, which is was really, it's really step out drilling. It's to the north and northeast of the deposit. We had good results uh, on our first pass drilling in 2022. And that was the 10,000 meters we started in, in, um, in uh, January of this year. It's now complete. So we had three rigs banging off 10,000 meters quickly. So we think we have the opportunity to expand the pit. You know, so this is not um, infill, this is step out. And then the final area, which I think is going to be very material, is going to be our starter pit. Um, this, you know, we, we do view this as being, you know, the deposit as we are going to define it is going to have likely multi-decade life of, uh, you know, feet. Okay. However, when you, have, when you have a deposit like that, it all becomes about the early years and, and getting your payback. And so in our maiden resource, we had nearly 11 million tons at one and a quarter percent. We, uh, we drilled a lot in that area and we have a good deal of confidence that that starter pit itself, which has a very low strip, very high grade. Um, is, is going to be larger. And so that, again, as we shift towards a PEA, that's going to have material impacts. The, the crux of this whole exercise, if you will, if I can call it that, is to, is to define and convince the world that we are going to build a mill. Okay, a mill of significant size, you know, something 25,000 plus, and then the whole district opens up completely when um, 25,000 tons per day well that back of the envelope we have we're not there yet okay. so that that's all internal stuff but like not, we're not looking at a 5,000 or like 10,000 this is going to be a big a big mill and um what would that um, and i know you haven't done a, pre, um, a pea and I, i'm not just trying to push you into a corner but you, you must conceptually think about this being a producer of a finished product copper are you thinking 30,000 tons per annum or 50,000 tons per annum or 75,000 tons per annum you know do you have I, I know that there's optimization to come but do you have a kind of a mental concept yet in your head well i think it's too preliminary for me to start talking about production type scenarios so i, I think I'd, I'd be wise to sort of not comment too much on the production profile until at least we have the pea out there because there are many questions um, you know, including a mine plan and, and, and maybe it's phased, you know, so there's there's too many questions. I, I don't want to get into specifics. I think we just I just want to focus on the geology, uh, define that uh, to its fullest extent with specifically on the Springer and the Perry. We're going to put economics on that open pit, you know, first pass PEA level economics simultaneously towards the second half of this year. We're going to be drilling aggressively on the Cook and the Robitaille. 
So again, we've got the digital models, just like we did on Springer and Perry. So we have a good understanding of what they are, but they need to be drilled out systematically, like we've been doing for the past two and a half years on mines one and two. So we're going to catch those up there, bring those into, you know, so all four mines are theoretically in the 43101 category. Uh, it's probably unlikely that those will be considered in the PEA, you know, the first, you know, first PEA. But I think certainly when, when we go to upgrade the resources, i.e., you know, drill out everything to bring that all into the measured and indicated category in preparation for the, the, the PFS, you know, we will have uh, four deposits, you know, at minimum that we will be looking into the mine plan. And then that comes into, you know, you know, the mine plan itself. It's, it's all about grade, you know, like, you know, when you're, when you're evaluating things in the, in the, in the way modern finance values things, anything beyond 15 years doesn't count. So we're very cognizant of that. And that's why, again, going back to the, to the starter pit, that's why the starter pit is going to be so important because that will give us the justification, you know, of the economics to build that pit. And then I think that once that, oh, excuse me, build that um, um, mill, and then once you have the mill there, I think this this whole area is open for generations. That's the sort of potential that this district has. It's never been properly assessed in the context of open pit. There's a, you know, it's there's overburden there. So it's there's no, you know, the Springer outcrop. That's why it was discovered. Otherwise, you know, these are geophysical targets. It's it's a nascent area, even though it's a mature area, it's mature in the context of underground geophysical targets, but in, it's it's totally nascent in terms of understanding the, the near surface potential. You've already got 104 million tons in, in, in the, the two categories, measured and indicated and uh, inferred. Uh, and that's just on the first two um, old mines. Um, let's say you add another 50%. You know, you're talking... Uh, you're talking about a relatively large tonnage, uh, long life asset. These could potentially be quite high throughput operations, which is presumably why you're talking about 25,000 ton per day. Kind of, I know you're not there yet, but just kind of, um, you're thinking about the larger end of the operation or the lar larger scale, um, than smaller. Well, absolutely. All else equal in mining, bigger is better. Um, you know, but, uh, I, I, I do think that this project is, you know, just the right size, Goldilocks, if you will. It's, um, you know, it's not too, but this is not a porphyry. This is, you know, to be clear, it's going to be long life and it's going to be large, plenty big enough, but it's not a, it's not a 5 billion ton BHP project, you know, so it, it, which, which would take 20 years to permit, you know, talking, talking about permit, this is just the right size. Um, and I think this has the potential to be built, you know, this cycle now define what a cycle is, but I mean, it, it can be fast tracked into development, especially if the government um, um, and the powers that be get their act together on the critical metals strategy, which I, I, I'll, I'll note that Quebec has a very uh, well-defined and um, a proactive critical metal strategy, which of course, copper is right there. So if they are going to meet their forecasts, you know, whether it is a COP 26 or 27 or, you know, uh, net carbon zero by 2035, whatever it is, they need more copper. Not only do they need more copper, I really do think that they're going to need more copper in Canada uh, or, you know, call it on the North American continent uh, north of the Mexican border because, you know, geopolitical things are getting much more complicated. Um, there's wars going on. There's threats of more. There's all sorts of, you know, uh, risks that I see um, increasing, frankly. And so I think that there's going to be in a significant premium associated with projects that are in friendly jurisdictions with easy access. And, and that goes on top of that. And on top of that, I'll layer on the fact that in Quebec, everything is produced through hydroelectric power. 
green, clean, low-cost power. So from an ESG and a political stability situation, this project is, I don't think, you know, has too many peers. But um, when you look at the peers, uh, your valuation seems to be lagging behind. You know, your market capitalization is 22 million Canadian. Why is that? Can you give me an explanation for the for the relatively poor performance um, stock-wise over the last 12 months? Well, I, I, I agree. It, it, it's something that I rack my brain with, you know, constantly trying to figure out how, how can we get our... Uh, how can we get our shareholders and prospective shareholders to see the value? Um, we, when we came out with this resource, we came out of nowhere, right? We were, you know, almost inconsequential in terms of market cap. And then we, you know, we came out with hundred million tons, which is about 2 billion pounds of copper in a pit constraint with, you know, clear path for growth. Took the market by storm. We went up and we, you know, we went from probably 15 cents to, I think we might've hit 40 cents. And then we financed right at the top. I mean, we financed ourselves very well. Uh, which is, you know, very important. And then ever since then, we've been infill drilling. And so, you know, infill drilling and, we, and the results that we've had, I think, are, are, are really quite amazing. And, as, and again, I think they've exceeded our expectations, but they're infill drilling, deemed not sexy, you know, non-discovery. And so, you know, paired with that, 2022 was sort of a bit of a not great month, not to make excuses, but I mean, just from my seat, it's been it's been tough. And then I think we have not yet re rebounded. I think everybody is waiting on this on this updated resource. So this is the major catalyst. We had uh, guided the market that we would have it out in December and we're now in you know February. So we're, we're a couple months late and we still have a couple months ahead of us. Um, this is an inpatient market. So I think I, I wouldn't be surprised that as we get closer and closer to this catalyst, you see a run up in our stock because people will look at, well, what happened last time when they put out this resource? The expectation and certainly mine is that this is going to be bigger and better. So bigger in terms of how much how many copper pounds this will be. Uh, and, and the strip ratio. And so I think, you know, th those, th those if, if there are sort of challenges that we want to hit head on, again, it's always, you know, the, the biggest challenge is people and, and social license, something that we've already discussed. Um, we, we need to get our strip ratio down, which is exactly what this, you know, this, this drill program has been focused on to optimize it um, and, and show that to the market. And then, of course, we have the town, you know, that that's always something that, that people ask questions about and rightfully so. And so, you know, uh, there's no question we think that all of these things can be addressed in time. And, um, and we're ultimately going to deliver, you know, a project, but it, it takes time. This is a, this is a patient's, patient's person's business, in, in my humble opinion. There are two classic ways that exploration companies drive up value. One is through growth of the, of the resource, which is typically step out drilling and exploration. You know, you're expanding the envelope of mineralization. And the other is de-risking and getting the value of what you have up. Um, you know, by, very vir you're the, by, by virtue of doing infill drilling, you're in in some ways you're not expanding your envelope you're just focusing on what you've got and improving the value within that envelope and that's the crucial step isn't it you know to take the capital value per ton or the value per share up through the through the de-risking process which has to be through that uh first step mre and second step the economic study well you talked about growth i mean look you, you, there's no question in my mind that the best roi is in pit, what we've been doing the past year to optimize, you know, what we have a really good understanding of and what we see very clearly. Okay. So it's not like we're going after blue sky. We see exactly where the challenges are and how to solve them. And that's what we attacked. And, and we're going to, I think we're going to deliver. Um, and then we've got growth. 
you know, so again, as, as we uh, just to take a step back, you know, we will then define and quantify uh, the economics because everybody wants to see not only just the size of the ore body, but then the economics be- behind extract, extract. Yeah, and then, what, and, what and, falls and into a pit. Exactly. And then and then we've got growth and then there's lots of growth coming on, you know, the, the cook and the robotai in the second half of 2023, because I, you know, we 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 have to make decisions based on um, availability of capital, availability of, of people. We can't do all things. We are not Rio Tinto. We cannot you know, we have to sort of triage our efforts. And so it's all where are we going to get the best bang for our buck? And that's clearly on the pit right now uh, that that is going to be you know behind us soon. Uh, then we shift in terms of, again, we're going to be uh, bringing on somebody who's going to um, um, lead the engineering challenges because we're very much focused on geology. And then Charles is going to shift his focus to what he does best, you know, exploration geology and, 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 and rinsing and repeating the process that we did on the Springer and the Perry and doing the same thing on Cook and the Robitaille, along with a couple other you know, things that, uh, that we're not even sort of discussing now. But we have a very clear plan uh, for uh, Second half of 2023 and the first half of 2024. Can we talk about um, budgets and treasury? Um, sure. You know, what's your cash position at the moment, and um, what's it going to take to get to the through the mineral resource estimates and then the PEA, and how much is allocated for the exploration side of things? Sure. So, in our most recent, our posted, you know, financial statements, which are much dated. I mean, I think it says we got about um, 11 million dollars in in working capital. We're coming out with our our annuals uh, towards the end of this month. Uh, this being February. Uh, and that's going to probably have a nine in front of it in terms of cash. You want to tack on our working capital, our current assets. We we also own 10.7 million shares of baseload energy. Um, so, you know, that's about five million dollars, um, you know, mark to market of, of, of marketable securities. Um, so I would say we're, we're quite well financed. Um, you know, so we're in a strong financial position in terms of budgets. Um, you know, the PEA is not all that expensive itself. The PEA is a desktop study, so it's not a huge cash burn. We're going to be burning less money than we did. You know, we, we probably spent, you know, 11, 12 million dollars in the last 15 years. Obviously, that's 60,000 meters is a, is a huge cash burn. Uh, we've got uh, I think we have about five million dollars planned for exploration drilling in the second half of uh, of 2023, which is largely focused again on the Cook and the Robitaille, but also we have another deposit called the Roger that we're going to spend a little bit of money on. That's half a million ounces of gold um, uh, that is up, uh, you know, on the rail, not too far from our project. Again, an example of a satellite deposit that is orphaned. I mean, half a million ounces without a mill is, you know, almost useless. But if you have a mill there, it becomes real feed. So um, I would say five million dollars by you know most standards is a pretty pretty healthy exploration uh, budget that will uh, be expended in parallel as we develop and work through the PEA process. What's what's the feedback you're getting from investors? Um, have you uh, what's your relationship with uh, particularly with any key institutions? You know, have you managed to get any funds to buy on market, oh, yeah. or are they saying um, uh, let's wait until you do the next capital raise? I'm particularly interested in the kind of the larger institutional. Um, sure. End of things. So we we have we're we're very much an institutional story. I mean, when we started off, uh, we were retail story, but then uh, the last two financings were all institutions. In particular, we have a lot of support from the Quebec-based institutions, who are very supportive and very important to have on your registry. Um, everybody is supportive. I wouldn't I wouldn't be lying if if everybody included myself as one of the largest shareholders. Not 
disappointed and frustrated at the share price. Um, you know, so, uh, but I think that the, particularly the institutions have a long-term view. These people have sizable positions that they don't get in and out of, um, well, relatively easily. So they have to take a long-term, well, nobody has to do anything, but I think it's wise to take a long-term view. Uh, I think the smart money is waiting to see what the, the MRE is going to say. I think there's a great opportunity right now. We've got, a, you know, copper is now uh, down, flirting with the sub $4 level. So, you know, we, we sort of track that a little bit. There's an opportunity to get into Q see copper, I think at, you know, outrageously low, you know, valuations relative to our peers and relative to the opportunity and the milestones that are ahead. Uh, but, you know, there, there's going to be news flow in terms of, of drilling. So there is some news. As I said, it's an in, this market is an inpatient market right now. Uh, but if, if you can afford to be a little bit patient uh, with us and, and evaluate the moving parts I think it's a good, you know, risk reward value opportunity right now. And, and I don't think, I mean, I, I have a high de degree of, of conviction that there's good value in QC copper right now. Uh, at, at Crux, we looked into kind of um, counter cyclical investments uh, to, in the back end of last year. And to a degree, what we were looking for were the companies that were in a stronger position now than they were a year earlier, but the share price had been crushed by the by, by the market. I mean, it was a risk off year last year. Junior resources stocks across the board got got hammered. Um, in some ways, what you've just described is 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 that situation that your your share price is depressed, and yet your fundamental asset base has improved, particularly within the uh, the light of the overall um, global security supply chain and um, copper market kind of fundamentals. Well, I think you know we we can talk about the macro of copper if you like. Uh, it, to me, it almost doesn't matter. Uh, because we focus on the asset, they think the asset must speak for itself. We, you know, we don't want to be a success because copper's ten bucks. Although, you know, ten dollar copper is on the table, you know, in the horizon. Um, you know, so are we counter cyclical uh, an investment? Absolutely. Are we stronger than we were than we put out that main resource? Like, let me be very clear. Irrespective of what the numbers say, the quality of this report uh, is going to be immensely better. Um, we have spent a ton. We, we brought in a resource geologist specifically for this, which we didn't have. We didn't have an internal resource geologist prior to our, our maiden resource. As soon as that came out, we brought somebody in and he built a team around him, which was all about identifying the gaps in the report. Uh, where can we get, you know, with, with the eye to be able to answer the questions to whoever wants to come and buy and build this thing. You know, what are they going to ask? And so, and, and build that, that database and get it, you know, uh, the foundation of which everything comes from solid and sound and to be able to answer as, as many questions as we possibly can. So I think the, the quality and particularly the geology, I think that has been a heavily laborious thing. We didn't, we didn't capture the geology, the logs. This time we've captured the logs, which is a very you know manual process. It's not just numbers; it's descriptions of geology type. Why that's so important is that it goes goes back to the mineralized envelopes that we were now defining, and we now define not only we domain the geology not just by the grades but by the rock type. And so again, you know that is extremely helpful, and it's going to add um, confidence, and especially for the QP when he comes to see or he or she comes to see and you know get the boundaries of 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 these lower grade envelopes. That helps us define it. So again, it's going to be much better. Um, um, uh, resource. We're going to have updated metallurgy, which is critical. We, this, this mine mine has 50 years worth of mine level metallurgy, which is um, you know incredible data to have and a lot of data. But we also we what it, what it lacked was um, um, data on the lower grade material, which has different, similar but different characteristics. 
Um, it's potentially we'll add the silver into this. We didn't, you know, there's, we report silver. I think we report silver, cobalt, and zinc on all of our drill results. Most of it is uneconomic, you know, but, but it, it's, but the, I think the silver will certainly be payable. There was a lot of, I think there was 300,000 kilograms of silver uh, payable uh, from that mine when it produced. Uh, you know, that's, that's $250 million worth of revenue. Uh, we didn't include that in our maiden resource. We're still not certain if we're going to include it. I think it's very clear that, you know, when this does go into production, and we believe it will, silver will be payable. The question is, does the metallurgy today support including it? So, I mean, that could be a big boost. Um, you know, so, so there's, there's still lots of moving parts here. As I said, you know, off the top, this is, this is the early days of the Opamiska itself. This is the early days of a total reinvigoration of the Shibugamu district. Stephen, thank you very much. In your most recent news release, I think you'd say that the mineral resource estimate is you're aiming for June in your, in your target line. Um, That's correct. <clears throat> And then in the second half of the year, at some point during that, pro there would be the the prelimin preliminary economic analysis. Um, We've already, we're already starting on the long lead items, so like, you know, like the geotechnical, the metallurgy, the environmental baseline, all that stuff. We haven't started on the on the economics and the engineering, you know, independently. You know that that'll be begun as soon as the you know they call it the data pack is handed over to the uh, the independent QP for for this resource then you know we can you know breathe a little bit uh, everybody may take a couple weeks off and then we come back and then we you know, again it's shifting gears towards this PEA and then you know let's drill that uh, mines three and four and get those up to the 43101 standards and uh, in the next three or four months what's the news flow going to be what, what are you going to um, be able to incrementally de uh, release prior to the uh, the full MRE we have 10,000 meters of drilling which has all been complete and we're waiting on assays. This is all, all of this drilling, virtually all of this drilling is on the east uh, eastern veins. If you go to our website and you look at our pit model, you can see it's it's there, it's well-defined so far. Uh, it needs further definition, which is exactly what this 10,000 meters is. If we can you know, get it up to snuff, so to speak, that'll be included in this uh, updated mineral resource estimate. So that's step out drilling. So maybe that'll get people exciting if we can deliver some good results there. Good, well, um, good luck with it all. Um, it, it feels as if the market hasn't kind of caught on. They're looking for some kind of catalyst. It's it's almost like, uh, you know, build it and they will come. Uh, you've got no idea that when on, on timing, but you can feel relatively comfortable that if the asset is good enough, the valuation will follow eventually. Well, the asset is good enough in our opinion, but we still have work to do in terms of de-risking and defining it. Um, as I said, this is patient. Um, I, you know, we're here for the long haul. I'm not going to sell a share. Uh, until this thing is sold, uh, you know, and the same is true for everybody in our team. Um, you know, I, I, I almost say I don't care when it happens because I, I have a you know strong conviction that it's going to happen. I want it to happen, you know, sooner than it will. That's it. just like all investors, we want uh, we want to realize a return on our investment. Um, but uh, we're very very confident. I mean, again, uh, you know, we have a, a basket of companies. A, a portfolio of assets within that company. And I'm, I'm, I'm very confident to say that QC Copper or the Opamisca specifically is our flagship. Um, it, it, in terms of um, probability, in terms of becoming a mine, um, this is the best asset that I've ever worked on. And so uh, I've, I'm very comfortable um, owning my position, which I've increased um, you know, fairly significantly since that resource comes off, I'll, you'll probably when I'm when the blackout's over, you'll see me participate again. So I, I do put my money where my mouth is, and and I think it's a good investment if you can be patient. Are you operating kind of an open, a tr fully transparent process? I, I'm, I I see at the back of your presentation you've got all of the drill results uh, listed, uh, but 
Are you getting inbound from corporates already? Um, is there a traffic through your your data of of industry participants with a view to us? Um, I mean, you mentioned the word sale there, but um, you know, is it already picking up attention from the corporates? We get lots of calls from all over the world. Um, you know, from not just copper producers, sort of mid tier copper producers, but you'd be surprised how many gold companies are interested in in copper. Um, but also copper in Canada, you know, people who want to diversify away from risky areas um, and looking for great assets. Don't forget, we are QC Copper and Gold. Um, a lot of our, our payable revenue is comes from gold. Uh, the Cook mine that I talked about, which is the, the fourth mine, that was a gold mine, not a copper mine, had a copper credit. Um, so we get an awful lot of inbounds and everybody so far gets a wait and see. Um, nobody uh, on my team is spending any time talking to the majors right now. One is because I have them laser focused on delivering this MRE, which is delayed. Um, so we don't have time to spare. And two, I don't want their money um, right now. I want their money when we're $250 million and they write us a, a, a $25 million check for uh, 9.9. Um, we, 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 we have no problems to access to capital. We're well financed and when, whenever we want money, it's there. Uh, I don't. I don't say that flippantly. It's never easy, um, and it's. But it's a function of its cost. It's not a function of its availability. When you have a project, you know, at this stage, and frankly, this valuation. So, I, I much prefer passive money, uh, money that doesn't indicate that we are committed to anybody and we are committed to nobody. And um, when you're at two hundred fifty million dollars market cap, if someone says they take the whole company um, instead of taking ten percent, that's a conversation for the board. Of course. I mean, any any real offers. Um, um, we will consider, but um, you know, if we're trading at 250 million, they better come significantly higher than 250 million. <laughs> um, and are you not handing out um, NDAs like confetti at the moment? Not signing CAs? No, it's just not. It's not the right time for us. Again, you know, dealing with um, these inbounds takes time. You know, you have to get them in. You have to handhold them, and, and we don't. We don't have that time. I mean, we have to stay laser focused on the task at hand. Um, and as I said, it's not it's not investment that we're particularly chasing. I think gone are the days where, you know, when you're a small company and you get a major to come in and take a small bit, you know, does that give you the stamp of approval? Not really. So I don't really attribute a whole lot of premium to, you know, their money, which typically comes with strings. And but more importantly, it's not the strings. I don't mind so much the strings as I do the fact that I've given um, a competitor a, a, a 10% lead on somebody else. And, and yeah. now's not the time yeah. to do it. Yeah, no, I'm, I totally agree with you. I'm not I'm not a huge fan of uh, indiscriminate uh, major uh, endorsements like that. Um, <clears throat> there are cases and exceptions when it's, it makes sense, but not sure. in all cases. Um, why was the why is the MRE delayed so much? Not so much, but uh, certainly delayed. Um, we had guided December. It's now February. It won't come out till June at the earliest. Um, the 2022 was challenging in terms of assays, turn, assays turnarounds, the, the ability to get those assays, build it into our model, and then you know follow successful results. That was, I said, uh, probably the story of 2022. Um, beyond that, uh, not only is drilling, you know, there's a lot of work on the drilling, there's a lot of work on the database. I had referenced it before is capturing the geology. Huge, huge amount of work very difficult to assess on day one, how long is this going to take? 
and it's taken longer than we anticipated. And there's been all sorts of challenges. I, I, I say very, very, you know, candidly, this database that we inherited from Falconbridge, which is all the historical data, has been, you know, both a blessing and a curse. A blessing that it's fast-tracked this project, given us a wealth of data, high-quality data. You know, I emphasize one continuous operator throughout and 50 years. And they were good operators, good record keepers, but it's all analog. You know, and so the curse part is like to manage that, to sort of digitize that a huge amounts of data, um, you know, not just numbers, but sort of photos, you know, you know, mind level plans to sort of scan those jiggle. I mean, it's a huge task and it's taken a lot of time, time, uh, time and effort. So so but to answer your question, the geology capturing the, you know, the textual geology, whether it's a gabbro or whether it's, you know, whatever it is, putting that in there and domaining it. Um, which again is going to—it's a huge investment in the quality, the actual quality of the database and the quality of the MRE. Um, it's been—it's been laborious, but I think we we came to the conclusion that it was a smart, the smart move to make because when when we do open the kimono to the majors, they're going to want to see that, and we can't say mm, we don't have it. You know, we we want to be prepared with every question they have and be able to answer it succinctly and confidently. And that's how we're approaching this. As much as we do speak to retail, um, you know, this whole process and this whole database and this company is designed to eventually speak to those who will build and operate this mine. Because it's unlikely not going to be us, or it's likely not. They're ultimately your 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 end customer. Correct, and that's who we try to speak to. But as I said, we're not speaking to them just yet because the time's not right, and timing is everything. Yeah. Stephen, thank you so much. Um, it's been great. I look forward to the next one. I don't know, um, perhaps if if the process of those next uh, 10,000 meters or possibly even as far out as when the resource comes out, but it'd be certainly good to stay in touch with this. A pleasure, Merlin, and I appreciate your interest and uh, good seeing you.